Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit on this Trinity Sunday. Amen. I may not be able to explain the Trinity using a donut, but it's worth a try. So there's one donut and three parts. There's the cake, the frosting, and... Oh, pretty good. If you want one of these, I got some downstairs for you during, after the service. You know, forget Christmas and Easter. This is the service people should be coming to for their once-a-year church attendance. Trinity Sunday. It's not just about one single event from a single text in the Bible, such as the birth of Jesus. It's not just about a single theme like resurrection or forgiveness or tithing. It doesn't just focus on one figure from the Bible either, such as Moses or Paul. And it doesn't just focus on one person of God whether it be the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Today is the once-a-year, all-encompassing feast or festival where we focus on all three, the whole God, (laughs) three in one. So I'm going to try something new this year, a two-hour sermon explaining the Trinity. No? How about I just finish my donut then? Mm. Besides... We spoke the Athanasian Creed, didn't we? If you were paying attention to the words while you were speaking them, no further explanation (laughs) should be necessary. I mean, you got the full understanding of our God. Mm. If it were only that simple. What we need is a full understanding of what's going on in this land, let alone our triune God. And that's not simple either. You know, there's a strange self-righteousness rearing its ugly head in the public sphere among Christians and non-believers, but especially among some Christians at, I don't you know, I mean, you've seen it, school board meetings and uh, town hall meetings and city council meetings and so forth. I don't understand it. What I try to do is understand people more. And there's a resource I found helpful in understanding people. It's called Soft White Underbelly. It's a series of short videos on YouTube featuring interviews with people who are frequently invisible in society, such as the poor, the sick, the underprivileged, runaways, gang members, drug addicts, alcoholics, sex workers, you name it, right? Many more. And one reviewer says, the videos are captivating because of the way it humanizes those who have society's stamp of condemnation on them. I want you to keep that phrase, stamp of condemnation, in your short-term memory for a few minutes, because I'm going to get back to that. I agree with the reviewer. I've watched almost all the videos, and I find them captivating. At the same time, they're hard to watch. Some of the people's stories are hard to listen to. But I began to discover that after a while, you begin to understand people more. 
You know where they're, you, well, you don't know, may not know where they're coming from, but you start to pick up, you can start to see how they are going through what they're going through. And you even begin to understand yourself more, at least I have, because some of the experiences they speak of are shared by many of us. I'm pretty willing to bet you'll find something in at least one of these vignettes that you can relate to in some way. So, I recommend it to you. If you have the stomach, and if you're willing to have your mind expanded. Soft White Underbelly is the name of the channel on YouTube. Understanding people, understanding them more is important in bringing the good news about Jesus Christ to bear on what's going on today. Because maybe if we understand people more, the self-righteousness in us won't get in the way of our witness to Christ. Now we have three readings from Scripture today, chosen more than 50 years ago by the editors of the Christian Lectionary to consider our triune God. Man, how they came on these three readings, I have no idea, right? But you could, I mean, certainly there are many more they could have chosen, right? But this reading from the opening of your Bibles, the famous Genesis creation narrative, where God the Father, Creator, is present in the action here, as well as the Spirit, you know, very controversial narrative, isn't it? It's at the heart of the debate over what's taught in public schools. Then the reading from Acts speaks to Jesus, the Son of the Father. And the reading from Matthew, again, has Jesus speaking that he will be with the disciples and us to the end of the age. And he, and he gives us the charge to baptize in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I expanded that reading from Matthew a little bit to the verses that come before it about the guards being paid off to tell the public that Jesus' body was stolen, that he didn't rise from the dead, his, that his friends took him away and told people that he had risen from the tomb, and that this story is still being spread among the Jews, well, at the time it was written, and it's still believed by many today, which is, it's really interesting, that verse, because... Matthew says that that cockamamie story, if you will, is, is still being spread at that time he wrote it, first century A.D., right? And believe it or not, it's still being discussed today. Now, I've preached on this before, but I want you to hear how philosopher William Lane Craig explains this claim by some that Jesus' body was just stolen by his friends to make, and then they made up the story that he had risen from the dead to start their own religion and, and all this other stuff. <clears throat> uh, Craig says, think about the claims and counterclaims about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that went back and forth between Jews and Christians in the first century. <laughs> okay, he asks you to think about this. Have any of you thought about this? <laughs> okay, uh, I mean, I have. I know some of you have too, but I mean, uh, this is a philosopher, so he's, you know, he thinks about this stuff all the time probably. He says, the initial Christian proclamation was, Jesus is risen. The Jews responded, his disciples stole the, his body. To this, the Christians said, ah, but the guards at the tomb would have prevented such a theft. The Jews responded, oh, but the guards at the tomb fell asleep. 
To that, the Christians replied, No, the Jews bribed the guards to say they fell asleep. Now, if there had not been any guards, the exchange would have gone like this. In response to the claim Jesus is risen, the Jews would say, No, his disciples stole his body. The Christians would reply, But the guards would have prevented his theft. Then the Jewish response would have been, What guards? We didn't place any guards at the tomb. Yet, history tells us that that's not what the Jews said. This means the guards really were there, and the Jews knew it, which is why they would have invented this absurd story about the guards having been asleep while the disciples took the body. I would add on to that, that there's no way that the guards, whether they were working for the Romans or the Jewish temple authorities would have ever gone along with some story that they fell asleep on the job because that would have meant death or some kind of like life in prison, right? You just didn't do that. The resurrection of Jesus is a sure and certain historical event, which means it's a sure and certain hope for us and for those who haven't heard about it yet and those who have heard but may not know what it means to them yet and what it can do for them. No doubt the three persons of our God are mighty and wondrous and awesome, as we sang in the hymn this morning. It's a mystery we can't fully comprehend. But the resurrection remains everything. If there was no resurrection of Jesus, then the Trinity and unity and substance of the Father, the Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, would be I mean, it wouldn't matter. The stamp of condemnation I mentioned earlier, that the reviewer of the uh, soft white underbelly videos say that the, the people interviewed have by society, we have that stamp too. We have a stamp of condemnation on us because of our failings, our shortcomings before a perfect, righteous Father Creator. We could be interviewed and tell our stories on some videos. Our stories will be recounted by God on the last day of judgment. But you know what? God understands us completely. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us, forgive us all our sin, and remove that stamp of condemnation. Instead of a stamp of death, we are marked with a stamp of baptism. We are cleansed of sin and made righteous before God. And because of that, we live forever. And when Jesus returns, he will make us new again. No more addictions, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more harrowing backstories to explain why we're so messed up. All that is forgotten in the past. A new person has been created. This is the love and mercy and compassion our triune God has for us and on us. And this love is for everyone, especially the broken, the brokenhearted, the invisible people in society. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I write and I write and I write 
what, what seems to me for hours. And when it's all said and done, it all adds up to, the, to, to less than 10 minutes of public speaking. It's a, it's a phenomena I haven't quite figured out yet or mastered. I don't know what else to say on this Trinity Sunday that I haven't already said. If you're scratching in your heads and wondering, well, what did he say? I said this. God loves you. You mess up. I mess up. But he forgives us and gives us life forever. More people should hear this and believe it. If more people heard it and believed it, our problems wouldn't necessarily go away, but they would shrink. There will be more in the coming Sundays as to how we can make Jesus known to more people. So stay tuned and come back next week. I was only joking when I said at the beginning of this service that this, this should be the one you should come to once a year. <laughs> okay? You should come to all of them. God has blessings to give you here that you don't get anywhere else. Amen.